good evening, wrestling fans, and welcome to Haggard Sefton Hershey's Elk High School Wrestling Weekly, hosted by the Double Eagle here at Cross Creek. We are live from the Double Eagle Clubhouse Grill. I'm Rex Burr, along with Dane Filling, and uh, for this spot, first spot, we're also joined by Coach A.J. Calver, and uh, tonight's special guest will join us uh, in first period section will be Tony Drysdale, one of the IHSAA officials, and uh, Dane, a uh, good show on tap for tonight. Yeah, we've uh, finally wrapped up uh, football season after 15 weeks, and it's time to give our full attention to wrestling. And uh, I was just writing down here how many matches we have in the next two weeks, and uh, it's pretty crazy. We've got AC on Thursday uh, in Belmont, and then next week uh, we have Belmont and New Haven, Garrett and AC. We've got the AC-AC duels on Friday and Saturday. And then the following week we've got matches at Snyder, Belmont and Leo on Thursday, and then the uh, Carroll uh, semi-super duels now, I guess. They've, they've condensed them a little They're bit. They're not so super anymore. On the 19th, the Northwest Allen trying to limit how many teams can be in one place at one time. Let's keep our fingers crossed, guys. Yeah, no kidding. So, well, uh, we made it to football state championship, which we were really doubting whether it would ever happen, but uh, we made it through that season. Yeah, after 15 weeks, uh, there weren't too many hiccups in the road. There was a couple games missed by Belmont and Adams Central, and South Adams lost a couple of opponents, but uh, we made it through. So our next show next week will be again at uh, 7.05 here at the Double Eagle. That's December 7th. We're going to be joined by our special guest, Matt Cochran, head coach of the Fort Wayne Snyder Panthers. And uh, sort of an SAC-themed uh, week, couple of weeks here. Uh, tonight uh, we want to talk about the last few matches that we've seen and then go through um, Columbia City match for Belmont and then talk with Mr. Drysdale about officiating overall and specifically officiating during a pandemic with some comments about uh, what the IHSAA is doing and, and things to look for in the coming year and a little trip down memory lane with uh, Coach Calver perhaps. And then in the third period, we will take a look ahead at Thursday's match between Adam Central and Belmont. Always the premier match on both teams' schedules. And then uh, a further look at the action coming up in the next week across the state. And then we will uh, take a look at some of the more individual matchups in our overtime period before we go to the podcast-only section with Mr. Drysdale. Sounds like a full show, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. It's going to be. And, uh, Dane, we touch on a football state championship a little bit. Uh, South Adams had such a great season, and uh, we ended up covering more of those games than we normally did due to uh, a couple of rescheduled for COVID. And uh, uh, I'd been in the uh, Lucas Oil Stadium, but I know that you and Dave Nathan had never been up in the press box, but uh, that's kind of a big deal. Well, when we first got up there, I thought, man, we're really up here, and we're sort of sequestered away from everybody else. They're in these fancy hallways that, that weave in and out. And then we sat down and we're like, well, you can't even hear the whistle in the in the place. And my wife, who was with us, said she was cold. And Dave realized that the, the window in front of us lifted up completely. The whole 10-foot section of glass that was six feet wide lifted up on one little switch. And then all of a sudden we could hear the whistle. We could hear the crowd noise. Lots we better. Ready. So Bob, Bob Adams and I, 11 years ago, were not smart enough to figure that out because we couldn't hear anything. <laughs> Well, luckily for uh, Rex, Dave saw that Rex's phone was leaned up against the glass, and he told me to move it before he flipped up the switch. Because we were about 150 feet off the ground. He was off getting a Mountain Dew or something <laughs> and, and came back, and then all of a sudden we could hear everything. But uh, I was getting a cup of water out of the water container because, remember, they didn't give us any drinks on yeah, Saturday. I know, I know. <clears throat> so, AJ, you know, we take a look back at, at, at last Tuesday's match. Obviously a disappointing loss. 
for Belmont. They come off an undefeated season, of course. You bring a decent amount of guys back, and you think, hey, we can do this again. We can go undefeated. We can win state. We can do better. And you start off the year 0-1, and it kind of just leaves a sour taste in your mouth. It was a match that Belmont really was in position to win after the first four or five weight classes after uh, Mr. Freet upset after being out-wrestled for two periods, turned his opponent and pinned him, and uh, basically a nine-point swing at least. And uh, Belmont was in a great position. But as it turned out, they they were thrown to their back and pinned in two matches in the upper weights that they were leading in both, and they had their opponents on their back in both. And had they finished, got the pin call, it wouldn't have been in question. It came down to the last match with Mr. Ferrot, and uh, he wrestled a, a hard-fought match, and it was a lot of uh, controversy, perhaps, a lot of excitement there at the end as far as the scoring. The official wasn't putting the points on the board, or the, the bench wasn't seeing the points that were signaled, and people didn't know exactly what the score is. However, we at the bench where we were at from the broadcasting booth, we knew what the score was, and by letting him go at the end and giving him a point that he really didn't earn, uh, was the difference in the match. And, uh, you know, that may not hurt the Braves. A loss the first match of the season is not the end of the world. And it's going to give the boys a little reality check as to, yep, we need to get better. Yeah, and we haven't earned anything at this point. It might, be, it might have been a message from the coaches to say, hey, just because we were 20-0 and 0 last year, that, that, doesn't, that doesn't buy us anything. And well, I Go ahead. Well, one of the moves that we that we didn't forgot about that there's some juggling around weight classes in there, and what ended up happening is Alec Mallory ended up getting bumped up and wrestled against uh, the kid from Molinax. Molinax, that's a very good wrestler, and that was a move that paid off for Coach uh, Culp because he ended up winning that match, and that's a, probably a match that if if uh, Mallory wrestles their kid at that weight, his other weight, he probably wins that match. He goes against Molinax, he can't be, win that match. And you know, a counterpoint to to Coach Calver's comment, you know, Blaine Culp's probably coming into that match thinking. You know, two of the last three years, we felt like we were in a position to win, and Belmont stole it from us. And now this is finally sort of some retribution for, for, for what we should have won. And if we look back at the, the all-time series, I think it was the 50th match between the two schools, and Columbia City had only beaten Belmont once ever in the regular season outside of those two team state wins. A little payback for Culp and the Columbia City Eagles, and you give them credit. They hung in there tough, and they were down 16 to nothing, and they didn't quit. And that's what you got to love about your kids. They fought hard. And he, he ended up giving up a, giving up a uh, forfeit down low when they come back around. He ended up having to give a six. Why did they forfeit there? They had a wrestler in that weight class, yeah, I'm did not, they not? I'm not really sure what happened there. I know that he had some issues with COVID. But <coughs> he, the, the lineup that he gave me to put in the paper showed somebody there, and that kid didn't wrestle. So I, I don't know. It probably wouldn't have made much of a difference. But, you know, we turn the page now. We focus on Belmont and Adams Central. Obviously, it has a, a huge background story here in Adams County between the two schools. Uh, before we go to the first break here, why don't you two share a, a memory or two about what you remember about Adams Central versus Belmont? Well, my, uh, my biggest memory, uh, I was taking my wife to Chicago to the doctor's office and I was gone from school all day, and we came back to Decatur, and it was about 6 o'clock or so, and we're driving into the parking lot, and there's no place to park. I, I mean, there are cars everywhere, 
and I'm pulling in. And I'm thinking, well, there's a there's a swim match tonight. There's a lot a lot of things going on, so maybe that's part of it. And then I get into the school and into the gym, and they're pulling out the rest of the bleachers up top to open it up. Adams Central was undefeated. Belmont was undefeated. Adams Central had really just started wrestling as a varsity team, I think the year before or that year, and they were very good, but they had not seen competition like Belmont, and we filled the gym. We had over 3,200 people for a dual meet on a Tuesday or Thursday night, and it was incredible. It was the largest crowd ever to see a high school wrestling match in the state of Indiana at that one time. What year was it, A.J.? 72 or 3. Yeah, I remember I was, I was in grade school and came and watched that match, and it's like you, you couldn't even get in the gym. It was just packed, and it, it was like it's like what people in Iowa do every Tuesday and Thursday night, and that's what it's like. I mean, but for this area, it just wasn't like that. And then, you know, my memory a few years later, when I break the first starting lineup, we had another one of those things, and there was close to 2,000 people in the gym, and it was one of those deals. My first varsity match against a kid who was a sectional champion this, the year before, it's a senior, and Dave Gilbert slides up, and I slide in at my first match and wrestle him to a 1-1 tie in for like 2,000 people. And it was like <clears throat> your first varsity match, and you think, you know, you can just feel it dribbling down your leg because it's, it's more than you're used to on a regular dual meet match. And back in those days, ties were ties. They didn't have, didn't have uh, overtime, and it was two points each for each school, and uh, you just raised both hands. We've got a uh, – one of our great sponsors is the uh, – Cross Creek Golf Club downstairs here, and uh, based on the weather, the pro <laughs> the golf course is closed for the season, but the pro shop is going to be open. They've got new hours now. They're going to be open on Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays from noon to 5, all the way up until about December the 22nd. So if you're interested in purchasing memberships or gifts, they still have special deals going on downstairs. That's noon to 5, Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays in the Pro Shop. Ten play cards for $150 for the majority and $250 for the Biggs Creek course, which is the championship course. That's $25 a pop. That's really a good deal. Get online. Check out the website at golfatcrosscreek.com. With that, we're going to send it to uh, the studio to Steve Rouse running board for us as the weigh-ins have now come to an end. We'll come back after these commercial breaks for the first period, and our special guest will be back right after this. Independently owned and operated, Haggard Sefton Hershey and Zelt Funeral Home, located in the heart of downtown Decatur, has been serving the funeral needs of Adams County and the surrounding area for over 114 years. Whether it's at need, a prearrangement, or a monument sale, our small staff is here to provide comfort in your time of need and make our home feel like an extension of your home as we assist you in honoring the life of your loved one. Hi, it's Jessie from Heller Nursery, and the Christmas season is here. We have fresh-cut Christmas trees and greens for decorating. I make wreaths and grave blankets daily. Come to Heller's for your holiday decorations. Poinsettias are a great gift for the ones staying home this season, and we have several new varieties to choose from. Open seven days a week, Heller Nursery is located on 400 West, in between 124 and 224, just west of Decatur. Follow the signs. See updates about Christmas on our Facebook page at Heller Nursery. Enjoy neighborhood living and peace of mind for your family in a two-bedroom, one-bedroom, or studio apartment at Adams Woodcrest Assisted Living. New address, new home, new life with household amenities including menu choices and times tailored to your liking. A family room with fireplace and bistro. 
laundry and housekeeping services. A state-of-the-art response system and medication reminders are included, too, at Adams Woodcrest Assisted Living, 1300 Mercer Avenue in Decatur. For a private tour, call 260-728-4038. Welcome back to the Hager Stephan Hershey's Zelt High School Wrestling Weekly, hosted by the Double Eagle here at Cross Creek. We're at the uh, Double Eagle Clubhouse Grill. Rex Burlong with Dane Filling. I'm about to be joined by our special guest. And, uh, folks, Dane and I always talk about the special this week. Once again, it was a uh, grilled tenderloin, Cajun style, with uh, grilled onions and uh, Swiss cheese on top. Uh, Dane and I both went for the tots this week. We went for the tots. And I say what? People in Decatur, if you don't know about it, the food at the Double Eagle is phenomenal. I mean, it's, it's, it's v- very underrated people don't think about it get out here and eat their food we do it each week and we encourage other people to come out and watch our show and ha- and take the special that sandwich was a 699 special day i got myself a cup of sour cream and it was delicious so we uh start the first period tonight talking about the uh two-way poll now columbia city technically is rest well, i guess not technically in very much reality because obviously uh Belmont ranked number one in the preseason pool in 2A and the defending state champs. Columbia City nowhere to be seen in the rankings because they have been moved into 3A. For those of you that aren't familiar with the way that things work out, they take all the schools that wrestle in Indiana, and if you have seven guys wrestling at sectional the week uh, to start the postseason, then they take those uh, uh, schools that have seven or more. So basically anybody who can win a dual meet, if all seven of your guys win, and uh, they take uh, and they split it into three groups. The, th- the, the smallest section is 1A. The middle section is 2A. And now they've split the biggest section into 3A and 4A. Columbia City, I think, is either the smallest or second smallest school in 3A. And, uh, you know, Coach Culp, nothing he can do about it. That's just the way that it goes. It reclassifies every year. But uh, they very much would be in contention for a 2A state title this year uh, if, they, if they were in that classification. But, you know... Kudos to them for the way they wrestled Belmont last week, and they came through and they beat Wawa C, who, if you flip your front page over there, uh, they were ranked number four in my two A preseason rankings on Indiana Matt. Columbia City beats them forty nine to thirty. Also, big wins for Columbia City over Fairfield and Warsaw. Um, you know, overall, I know that Columbia City was hoping to wrestle five matches this weekend, but because of COVID, they had to pare it down to a, a smaller field. But uh, a very impressive start to the year for them. I know Coach Culp is very deep. He has just one 106-pounder, I think, and maybe one at 113. But after that, he's three or four deep. So he feels like he has some some uh, leeway there to move his lineup up and down. And uh, even if COVID hits, I think he feels like he has a very strong lineup. And that was evident in our 10 junior varsity matches we had last Tuesday night between uh, the Braves and the uh, Eagles. Yeah, it was a very good start of the year JV match, I thought. There was some good wrestling. Um, Sometimes those are all first period pins, but there were some very good matches uh, throughout the night. So uh, other matches across the state this week. Um, I also, my head was turned by uh, some results from DeKalb this weekend as they beat Homestead 42-33. to Traditionally, Homestead's a little bit stronger than DeKalb. Uh, and then the big one, obviously, DeKalb 44, Yorktown 18. Uh, that says a little bit about DeKalb, but I think a lot about where Yorktown has now fallen to. They have another head coach. Did they, half their kids miss the bus? They sort of moved Kurt Hess out of the picture, and they've brought in a new guy. And uh, I think he's got his work cut out for him as far as, uh, you know, sort of a Southern Wells situation, too, where you don't have anything left in the cupboard. It's now your program, and you're going to have to spend two or three years building that back up to a point where 
you can even win some dual meets. Probably had to change most of his schedule. So uh, an interesting set of results there. And then uh, Northridge beats DeKalb 50-27. to Northridge uh, on the verge of being ranked in, uh, in the overall top 20 poll across the state. Uh, we're looking forward to next week's show with Coach Cochran. Fort Wayne Snyder beats Angola 60-22 to and Southside 66-14. to No word there on if Matt Morris, who has wrestled for Snyder and Southside and Belmont in his career, uh, where he wrestled, but uh, I know he's ranked top 10, I think, um, in, in, on Indiana Matt's rankings, and uh, very interesting to see what kind of season he has as a senior. Last week also it was Hamilton Southeastern kicking off Jay County's season with a 42-30 to home win over the Patriots. And then I, I also saw that Blackford and Union City were in action. Blackford with just seven wrestlers wrestling and Union City with just five. Obviously that has implications for uh, our sectional as we uh, compete against those two schools. I also noticed that one Blaine Daniels um, is playing basketball for Union City and not on the wrestling team. Of course, uh, we remember him from two years ago. I think he was the, fr- the sectional champ that missed weight for Jay County, and then last year he transferred to, to Union City and still had a pretty good season. Yeah, he and came that, in like one or two losses in a sectional and t- gets knocked out in like the first or second round. Yeah, and now is not, is not wrestling at all. So a disappointing uh, view from the wrestling perspective there, but uh, I guess we wish him. Maybe they got a new three-point shooter on a basketball team. You don't know. <laughs> Maybe, I don't know. So, uh, Rex, overall, what are your impressions there? So what does that say about – so you see Columbia City uh, beat Wawasee by 15, uh, 17 points. Obviously, they beat Belmont by two. Uh, your 2A preseason rankings are there. Belmont number one, Oak Hill two, Garrett three, Wawasee four. Western had a very good team last year, five. What are your overall impressions then? You, you, with only Columbia City and Belmont as context, you may think, well – wasn't a very good match for Belmont. Then you see the win over Wawasee, and you think, okay, maybe Columbia City's overall. I just think the guy that's doing the ratings doesn't know what the heck he's well, talking about. Well, that could be true. Or, or the other half of that is, same thing may have happened to Wawasee that happened to Belmont. You got kids you think are returning. You base the rankings on kids returning, and you know you start getting kids drop out, and you lose two or three weight classes. Right? It's like, okay, your your ranking is based on what you thought was coming back, and if they didn't come back, you didn't get them. So you start building that team again. Yeah, and for those listening that are involved in the Team State Tournament, I made a post earlier today as head of the committee that seeds the 1A, 2A, 3A, and now 4A tournament. Uh, we need those lineups. We need to know who's out for the team. And if you're listening and you're a coach of a Team State uh, team, you've got to have your results posted on Indiana Matt. We need to know, okay, if you lost 42-30, to 30, did you have your full lineup? If you were missing four guys who were semi-state qualifiers last year, that's pretty pertinent information for us to know to be able to judge that. And we're going to reveal the seedings again for the Team State Tournament live on our show um, in uh, a couple of weeks. And something to look forward to as the uh, Indiana Matt guys join us for a special two-hour show. But um, Team State, it's still on the schedule, people. And until it's been canceled, you've got to get ready for it and you've got to plan for it and you've got to think about lineups and, and, and where that's going to go. And if we're lucky... God willing, we're, we're going to fight for a uh, 2A and 1A state championship at the Coliseum. You know, I think what they've, what they've found is that the contact during sports is not 
the big transmittal of the the code. It's it's how much time you spend around people. It's like families are getting it spread because you spend a lot of time with them. It's like if if I walk up and talk to Tony for two seconds and walk away, that's not going to spread it. It's spending extended time, three or four hours together. And especially when after you talk to Tony, then you go and you wipe yourself off with an alcohol uh, wipe, and then you go and wash your hands, and then you change your clothes. And so, I, you know, it is what it is at this point, and it, it, Everybody's going to be as careful as they can, and the teams that aren't careful may end up paying the price later on in the season. But uh, sometimes there's going to be situations where teams did nothing wrong, and, and they're going to get knocked out. And, and we've, we saw that several years ago when Snow knocked out a couple teams at regional, and then the IHSAA tried to make amends. It's not going to happen this year. You're either going to be in or you're going to be out. And you're going to have to adjust. And, okay, and we've we've had ringworm in this wrestling, in the sport of wrestling before, and that can take a team out. That is no different than COVID. The, you create, you handle it the same way. You disinfect your room, you disinfect your mats, you you take the precautions with the kids. I mean, wrestling has been used to dealing with things like that, and it's not a, a big surprise to them. Yeah. Um, Rex, you always get great food and fun here at the Double Eagle. Open for lunch and dinner. The Double Eagle offers a safe environment for a f- for a meal or a few libations. The outside patio is open if you care to smoke. The bar and restaurant are both smoke-free, even if it is snowing. Sit down in front of one of the 13 TVs to watch all the games or listen to the wrestling matches in the coaches' show right here at the Double Eagle at US 224 West Indicator. With that, we're going to send it back to Steve Giggle running the board for us for a round of commercials. We'll be back with our special guest, Tony Drysdale, um, IHSAA official, right after these messages. When you're doing new construction or remodeling and you need drywall, the name to call is Paul Baker Drywall. Paul Baker Drywall does championship caliber work and gives you free estimates. Paul uses all the latest styles for your approval and his work is always guaranteed. Give Paul a call today at 701-4388. That's 701-4388. When it's time for drywall, use the best Paul Baker Drywall. Looking for a trusted name in home or farm insulation? Ted Sprunger Insulation has been taking care of families in our area since 1978. When it comes to spraying foam and cellulose insulation, Ted Sprunger Insulation can't be beat for service or price. Give them a call today at 273-5068 or at 824-3021. That's 273-5068 or 824-3021. Ted Sprunger Insulation. The trained and knowledgeable staff of medical surgeons at Adams Memorial Hospital are dedicated to personalized care in OBGYN services. Dr. Natalie Hoshaw specializes in obstetrical and gynecological surgery, including ablation, cervical cryosurgery, colposcopy, DNCs, hysterectomy, and hysteroscopy. Dr. Hoshaw also collaborates with Claire Thompson, nurse midwife. Welcome back to the Haggard Sefton Hershey's Elk High School Wrestling Weekly, hosted by the Double Eagle here at Cross Creek. And once again, we're live from the Double Eagle Clubhouse Grill, where uh, the food is wonderful, the uh, drinks are always cold, and uh, now we are joined by our special guest for the second period, uh, Mr. Tony Drysdale, former Bishop Bluers wrestler for Coach A.J. Calver, and uh, he is now an IHSAA official. Welcome, Tony, to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Uh, we'll start off. Give us a little bit of background as to your uh, wrestling career and uh, how you ended up as a uh, a young lad on uh, Coach Calver's team and, and what brought you to officiating. Yeah, so 
I, I actually didn't get uh, introduced to wrestling until I got into Bishop Lures, until I got into high school. And uh, when I got into high school as a freshman, uh, I was big into football at the time. And uh, we had a great football coach, uh, Mike X is his name, um, and uh, he was a big advocate for wrestling. Um, and he, he basically said, you know, if you want to be a better football player, you want to be a better athlete, get on the wrestling mat. Um, it helps with footwork and all that fun stuff. So I was like, okay, I'll give it a shot. You know, and, and I actually didn't know Coach Calver, you know, at that time because, I mean, he was the PE coach there, but we, uh, we, I, I didn't have his class. I had another PE teacher. Um, so I did, didn't actually know what to expect once I uh, got into the wrestling room. I did. Yeah. I, I spent some time with him earlier in his career. Yeah. So, you know, it, it was a, a shell shock of a moment when I uh, got into the room and, uh, you know, he, he ran a tough room, you know, and, and it was, uh, we had a good, good, uh, he had a good assistant coach, Marcus Ocampo, another Belmont guy. Um, so we, you know, it, it was just a real tough room. Um, you know, we, a lot of great conditioning. Um, we, I don't think there was a team in the city that really outconditioned us, you know, um, it was just uh, one of those things where, you know, having those two coaches with us, you know, it was just a great moment. And we had a lot of great wrestlers come through there um, that, you know, to this day, you know, will, you know, say that Coach Calver was a big influencer in their life. So, hey, AJ, who was your assistant coach also the World Cowboy Boots all the time that ended up coaching at Southside for a while? Mark Atzit. Atzit. <laughs> So, uh, Tony, tell us a little bit about what you do as a, as a career and um, how uh, officiating fits into that puzzle. Yeah, so uh, currently I work from home. Um, I, I manage uh, operations for a moving company based out of Nashville. Um, so, you know, there is, a little, there is that flexibility um, that uh, allows me to work remote if needed. Uh, well, I mean, I work remote regardless, but, you know, being able to have that flexibility uh, to leave work a little early um, to go to a weigh-in uh, if I need to uh, or have that flexibility for a Saturday if I need to need, have a tournament going on. So um, that, that definitely helps. Um, and then uh, as far as uh, outside of officiating, you know, I, I also um, – I'm a uh, sponsor for Big Brothers Big Sisters as well, so um, you know I've been doing that for the past four years as well. So, one of the things that I, that I enjoy most about my position with the newspaper and now as I grow at, at WZBD is is running into the same people weekend after weekend as, as they officiate. And I, I know we had spoken maybe a couple times, and we added you on Facebook, and every once in a while ask you a question, and then invited you onto the show here. But uh, I've I know, I've noticed now in the last year that you uh, have become a father and that changes things with officiating. And, and I'm always, uh, I have the, the most respect for people who are able to juggle all of these things, careers and families and different things, and still be able to give their time as an official. It's one thing to sit here and talk on the radio and put a headset on, but it's another thing to be out on the mat with people screaming at you. People, when they scream at us, we don't get to hear them because they're at their home and their radio. But, uh, Tell us a little bit just about how you juggle all of it. Yeah, so uh, at home I got—I actually have uh, three children. I have a three-year-old, Cecilia Rose, 
Uh, and then we have uh, three-month-old twin boys, uh, future state champions, in my opinion. Um, uh, you know, in different weight classes. Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah, they're going to be wrestling partners eventually, I'm sure. So, uh, But, yeah, I mean, and holding us all together is my wife. Uh, we've been married going on six years. Um, so, I mean, and, and I, I wouldn't be able to do what I love, you know, on Saturdays uh, if it weren't for her, you know, holding the house together. Um, you know when you know when I'm able to go out and officiate for for like years I refereed it gets a certain point when some of my kids got older my wife said you're taking some of these kids with you so my kids you know from a young age three four years old I mean I packed up their coloring books and their juice bottles and stuff and went on and they were on the side of the mat I mean they were there and and my one daughter that uh, she was spent so much time wrestling she went with him probably more than him she ended up being a four year manager for Coach Frode and she was just into it and she was one of the best scorekeepers her head because she'd been keeping score since she was like ten years old oh, so yeah yeah I'm sure that'll happen down the road I'm sure <laughs> so last year I know you had the Jay County sectional mm-hmm. what other big tournaments have you done since you started officiating well I, I was introduced to the NEA tournament uh, a couple of years ago so I, I've been uh, locked into that fortunately um, and. Uh, you know, uh, I had the NEA, I had, uh, well, I mean, the one you just mentioned. Um, I've, I've also uh, done a couple big tournaments at New Haven as well. Um, some of their uh, major six ways and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, other than that, it's just been more, uh, more or less just dual formats that I've been locked into. How many, how many years have you been officiating? Tony? So I, I've been an IHSA official for fo- four years. In wrestling. So, obviously, one of the big topics with officiating right now is COVID and all of the rules that have come out from the IHSAA and from different athletic departments and county health departments. Tell us a little bit about what you've seen so far this season. Yeah. So, uh, you know, IHSAA and and the National Federation, they've done a great job at trying to keep us all safe. Um, uh, One thing they're really pushing is, uh, you know, making sure, obviously, an emphasis on cleaning the mats uh, making sure um, the weigh-in protocol uh, has changed a lot lately. Uh, this year specifically, um, now wrestlers are weighing in in their singlets, um, and it allows, uh, rather than us all being crammed into a locker room for a weigh-in, um, and now op- opens up the door for you know spreading things out into an auxiliary gym or um, you know into a bigger classroom or something to that nature. Um, you know, another thing is, uh, you know, just making sure, um, you know, from an official standpoint, um, you know, making sure we have uh, we're not coming in con- too much contact with the uh, actual wrestlers themselves. Um, they're also elim- they've also uh, have eliminated or are really strictly uh, going against the actual face offs, uh, pre mat face offs. So. Um, you know, that's one big thing that they're really pushing. Now, when it comes to the weigh-ins, we take a break from COVID for a second. Uh, now that we're weighing in in singlets, are girls and boys now weighing in at the same time? They are. And as the girls' sport has grown, really in the last three to four years, I think that's a big deal. Because pre-match in a dual meet, you've got to find somebody of the same sex to, to, to supervise the weigh-in. And you've got to bring in this extra person. And now, all of a sudden... The girls and the guys weighing in at the same time. And until we get the IHSAA to recognize girls wrestling as a separate sport with its own separate tournament like 20-some other states have done across the, across the country, I think that's a big step forward in, in, in uh, bringing the girls' sport 
sort of even with the boys. Um, and also, it, it does coincide well with the pandemic, like you said, right. in that now you can do that in a much more open space. It doesn't have to be quite in that intimate setting when kids are weighing in and nothing but their underwear, holding their breath type thing. It's a little bit different. I know we joked earlier in the year about uh, coaches looking for the lightest weight singlet now because you got to weigh in in your singlet. And you can yes. Find yeah. a singlet that can gain you a tenth of a pound perhaps may be an advantage. But uh, yeah. I'd, have, I'd have never made it, AJ. <laughs> and, that, and that's actually a, a valid valid point because there are going to be teams that are buying additional singlets just for weigh-ins or, or looking in their old boxes for those lightest singlets just for weigh-ins. The lightest one you can get. Yes, so exactly. now, Dan, you talk about the girls' season. I would think that if they're going to separate it, I would think that you would make girls' matches be on a different night, maybe give them their own night. Instead of trying to cram them in and have it be like – the, the B team of something, I almost think that you need to make it a separate sport and dial it in. And if you do that, then you run a little bit short on referees because these guys, I mean, if you do a Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday schedule, I mean, you're going to go to a Monday, Wednesday or something like that. You don't want to compete with basketball on Fridays. Uh, but I think if you want to make it their own sport, you need to give them their own night. Yeah, well, it's certainly going to be a challenge if it does come to its own sport. I don't think that much will change in the regular season. I think that they will still have the same amount of tournaments that they have now with the same number of us. The key is going to be when the sport grows and you start having teams who have a full team who can wrestle a dual meet, then you start having dual meets. And until then, when every team in the state only has four or five girls, there are only going to be open tournaments that you yeah. go to on Saturdays. And the weeknight wrestling isn't going to come until Penn is able to schedule six meets against six different teams that also have full teams. And I don't think that can happen until you do sanction the sport yep. because of the, the way it is. And we saw um, the girl from Columbia City. We, Blaine told us last week that he had five or six girls. Um, and, you know, the only opportunity she has to wrestle maybe in the first three weeks of the season is against Belmont in a JV match against Andrea Hernandez. You know, it would have been much better for her to be able to go to a meet where Andrea is the one seed and then she gets two or three wrestle back matches and gets some experience. But right now, that's just not the way it's set up. You know, you, you don't want to jump right into the fire out of a situation like that. But they're going to take matches wherever they can get them and try and get as much exposure as they can. But you're right. It's, it's those multi-team tournaments where they show up and it's like, okay, they have different weight classes and they kind of pool them together and, and they wrestle them. But COVID's going to kill a lot of that stuff because a lot of those teams have been canceled because they're, they're taking those out right away. I think one of the real victims to COVID this year is going to be the progress that girls wrestling was making Hopefully that, that, that corrects itself next year. So uh, last Tuesday, uh, Tony, we saw Tyrone Wilson carrying a whistle, not in his mouth, but in his hand. Tell us a little bit about what you know about that process and uh, your own personal opinion on it. Yeah, so that's another uh, step that IHSA and the National Federation are going, uh, that have taken to kind of protect us officials, uh, you know, during this pandemic. And uh, that's the e-whistle uh, and it's basically a handheld whistle as opposed to having the, having the whistle in your mouth. Um, and uh, it, right now it's not mandated uh, for officials to use it. It's at uh, officials' discretion. Um, some officials will still resort to uh, the uh, standard whistle. Um, I know I personally use a standard whistle myself. Um, but, uh, you know, it's... It's going to take some getting used to uh, from from uh, an official standpoint. Um, I know that depending on the quality of the wh- e-whistle you get, it's not as loud. 
Um, so, you know, that's what some officials have been saying, and they don't like using it just because it's not as loud and, and fans are, you know. Well, the good, the good thing would be that there aren't as many fans this year. Right, but I think right. that may have played into what happened on Tuesday was it was so quiet, other than the walkout music that Sean had blaring. Yeah. But uh, uh, when it did get loud all of a sudden at the very end, then it was hard for everybody to focus on what was actually happening because it hadn't been loud the entire night. Yeah. Um, so that is one one element to that whistle is is just how loud it is. I was pre- pleasantly surprised. It did sound a lot like a whistle. It was pretty loud, and and but the the problem that Tyrone said, and, and I totally understand this. He said it threw off his mechanics because he basically didn't have one hand free, and he couldn't score points with it, and it it just kind of threw him off. And he said he wanted to test it the first time, and he said he probably wasn't going to use it again, or else he was going to use it later on when he got his mechanics down a little bit. And I can understand that. I mean, if you're used to scoring points with right in your left hand and then all of a sudden you got a, a, a whistle in your hand and you're trying to score points with a whistle in your hand or whether or not you're hanging it from your lanyard and then you got to try and find it when you want to blow the whistle, uh, it's it's really interesting. But you're, you're going to have to adapt. I mean, if wrestlers are going to have to adapt, officials are going to have to adapt. Yeah, there's definitely a learning curve uh, with it. Uh, and as an official, I mean, typically we use that uh, you use those Sunday tournaments, those youth tournaments to kind of work on that sort of thing. And a lot of those have been canceled at this point. So, um, you know, it, it kind of forces us into those Saturday events and those weeknight duels uh, to try to y- utilize those uh, new new tools that we have. Yeah, and we saw Tyrone a couple times signal. He was trying to signal one thing, and I don't, it, you know, trying to put it all together. He had to go back to the, he had to go back to the table once and ask Mary, now was that, or Mary had to ask him, was that stalling on both guys or was it one guy? Or, you know, he, you said red, but you meant green and you had it in your hand. So definitely interesting to see what goes forward. I know we've seen other states implement all kinds of wild rules. I saw that um, at the start of matches in one state now, rather than both guys having their foot on the line, they've got to have their foot on the inner circle so that when the official blows a whistle to start, then they can come together. That doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make much sense to me. No. It's sort of like an XFL kickoff back in the yes. back in the day when they, when they started from the thirty-five and they ran for the jump ball. That's like dodgeball, right? The little balls. Yes, are really, yes, yeah. that's exactly what it was like. So I, you know, I think at some point, if you're going to wrestle, you have to assume some sort of risk of of spreading the disease. You do your best to minimize it, but I don't think you can change the essence of the sport. And we've seen a couple of. I saw. I can't remember if it was. Uh, Massachusetts or somewhere in the Northeast that basically they were changing the rules of basketball uh, on inbounds plays and on free throws and on rebounding. And it's like, hey, you're either going to play the sport or you're not. Let's not get into a situation where we're we're changing the, you know, let's not have soccer but only do penalty kicks or let's not have a basketball game yeah. where it's just two teams shooting free throws. That's not That's not the sport. So keep your players healthy. Bring them in, let them play the sport as it is. Mm-hmm. If you let players that are carrying the disease in, that's what's going to disrupt it. But you have to keep a clean slate of where your kids are at before they come in. Don't change the rules of the sport, but let the um, clean, cleanliness and the uh, or the drug the, the um, disease free athlete participate. Everybody else quarantine. And you've got to trust coaches to be honest too. And I think that's going to be the biggest issue is when you get into these big tournaments. If somebody is sick, you've got to hold them out. And, you know, the people who do that need to be recognized and applauded for, for, for doing the right thing and keeping their guys out because 
it's going to come back to, to some tournaments where you know that someone put somebody out there that wasn't feeling well. They test positive two days later. And then, you know, somebody's going to have to pay the price for that. But as long as everybody does their best, then there's, there's no blame that can be cast. So um, the Weber family here in Decatur, Brad, Mary, Blake, and Moose, are proud to support high school athletics by helping to sponsor our one-of-a-kind wrestling coaches show. With the civic-minded backing of families like the Webbers and our many local business advertisers, we are able to be the only radio station in Indiana to dedicate a show strictly to the great sport of high school wrestling. Once again, a big thanks to the Brad Weber family and all of our many sponsors. With that, we're going to send back to the studio to Steve Rouse, running aboard for us, as always, here on Monday nights. And we'll be back with more wrestling talk right after these messages. Independently owned and operated, Haggard Sefton Hershey and Zelt Funeral Home, located in the heart of downtown Decatur, has been serving the funeral needs of Adams County and the surrounding area for over 114 years. Whether it's at need, a prearrangement, or a monument sale, our small staff is here to provide comfort in your time of need and make our home feel like an extension of your home as we assist you in honoring the life of your loved one. At Complete Printing Service, you can count on Charlie Brune and the crew to take care of all your print needs. Everything from color copies, custom-made banners and signs, wedding invitations, business cards, magnetic and yard signs, and so much more. Complete Printing is located on South 2nd Street in Decatur. Our name says it all. Complete Printing Service. Call today at 724-3722. Complete Printing is also a Decatur Sculpture Tour sponsor. Enjoy neighborhood living and peace of mind for your family in a two-bedroom, one-bedroom, or studio apartment at Adams Woodcrest Assisted Living. New address, new home, new life with household amenities including menu choices and times tailored to your liking. A family room with fireplace and bistro, laundry and housekeeping services. A state-of-the-art response system and medication reminders are included too at Adams Woodcrest Assisted Living, 1300 Mercer Avenue in Decatur. For a private tour, call 260-728-4038. Hosted by the Double Eagle here at Cross Creek. And once again, we are live from the Double Eagle Clubhouse Grill. We're expert along with Dane filling in our special guest, Mr. Tony Drysdale, IHSAA official. And uh, Tony, one thing I can tell you after uh, refereeing for 25 years, um, you've only been in it four years. It does put a strain on relationships. I can tell you that for a fact. Most of the guys I refereed all those years with are on their second and third wives because it is, <laughs> and, and it's not that's not a joke. I mean, it, it's a very tough thing. A lot of the, a lot of those guys were football coaches as well. And if you coach a big season, then you referee a big season. I mean, it really. I mean, you got to have the perfect woman at home to put up with your crap for all those years. And I can guarantee you that it, it takes the right person. Well, I, I definitely think I got that at home. So. And, and and that's the thing. I mean, I don't accept any of these matches without making sure the wife at home, you know, has has my back on. You got it, the so. opposite approach of Rex, yeah. who, does, who just doesn't <laughs> doesn't notify of uh, of the extended schedule. But hey, I've, we I've mar- three kids at home. I can't just spring a match on her. I've been married I mean? thirty eight years and four kids, so I'm, it's it's been a long time. We love you, B. Okay, so we're here in the third period now. We're going to take a closer look at uh, the upcoming wrestling that is before us, and that means a first look at Adam Central and Belmont. So, Rex, if you leaf through your hand out there, let's take a look at this matchup. I do believe, unless COVID hits, that we will have 14 uh, bouts with no forfeits. 
according to Coach Curry and Coach Gunsett's uh, lineups. Uh, a lot of new faces in both lineups compared to this duel last year. I know Tony has lost, uh, let's see, he has four kids, according to our sheet here, who wrestled at last year's sectional tournament who are not back. And I believe Belmont has three of them. So that's seven varsity guys who did not come out for the teams this year. Adam Central has just one senior. That's Caleb Sheets, the heavyweight. Uh, he has no one listed at 220, so it'll be Blake Hirely and Cody Lotzenheiser splitting time between 195 and 220. But as we saw with Belmont last week, uh, not exactly the strength of their lineup at 195 and 220. They don't really have anybody at either weight. Um, they have Zane Bodkins, who technically, I think, can wrestle 220. If he cut a couple pounds, he'd be the 182 backup. But he's the only guy who's heavy enough to get over that 182 line. And then uh, Gavin Cox, who wrestled 138 just a year or two ago at uh, regional, wrestled 195. Uh, we've got a lot of things going on there. Uh, certainly an interesting part. And like you said with your debut, you were the backup, and then all of a sudden you found yourself thrust into that position You've got some kids here who have never wrestled a match as big as the one that they're going to see on Thursday night at the hangar. Yeah, that, that Belmont Adam Central match, you know, they're going to talk to their parents who says, yeah, I remember going to that big match that AJ was talking about with 3,000 people. And I remember there was big-time bets around town. People had money on it. Uh, a couple years later, my senior year, I mean, Adam Central thought they had a team that was going to beat us, and they came in and we smoked them pretty good, and it's like, there's some years when they got it, and there's some years they don't, and there's some years that that's not a very good match either way. I know that uh, Belmont, we saw them not wrestle very well the other night. Um, Adam Central could come in with some some tough kids and, and make a lot of trouble for them. Well, I, th I think the biggest storyline is, from a Belmont perspective, if Belmont were to lose this match on Thursday and go 0-2, what a horrendous start to the year. Just, I mean, that <laughs> for a Belmont not, team. That would not be what they – what they want. So I think from an Adam central perspective, if you're coach Curry, you come in and say, Hey, we got nothing to lose. We only have, if we look down here, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, we got nine guys back. Three of those guys had a total of six wins. So we got six guys back. We take our six guys and we hope that maybe we can win six and then maybe pull an upset somewhere else with one of our freshmen, but we've got nothing to lose. It's Adam central's very first match of the year. Belmont's ranked number one. They've got all the pressure. And, uh, you know, somehow through some strange stroke of luck, Adam Central is hosting the match again this year. I, I talked to Coach Curry yesterday. He asked me, why are we wrestling this at AC again? And I said, well, I don't know. That's what the athletic director told me. That's what was happening. So, And uh, I know that uh, Adam Central had a pretty good football season. They end up playing a little, quite a bit farther than Belmont did. But uh, they got a little bit of a late start. Their, their kids have not been in a room all that long. And, um, you know, they're, they're still kind of in football shape, and it takes them a little while to get them back into regular shape. We had Coach Curry on uh, early, in, early in our season, and uh, he, he had just got some of those kids out because they had just played football the week before. And um, trying to get them back out, and he gave them a little bit of time off. But uh, getting those kids from football shape to wrestling shape is, is not a one- or two-day thing. That's a couple of weeks. And one of the biggest uh, holes in the lineup for Adam Central is going to be the absence of Gavin Cook, who broke his arm against Woodland earlier in the year. I think uh, he makes a big difference in their lineup. Obviously, he's a semi-state qualifier, won 32 matches last year as a freshman. He's a guy that they're going to be able to insert in their lineup later on in the year, and they're going to be that much better. But for now, uh, Coach Curry's awfully thin. He has one six-pounder, one 13-pounder, and one 20-pounder. And without uh, Gavin Cook, 
He has one wrestler at each weight from 106 all the way to 138. Yeah, you can't you can't afford to have a guy get injured. So in he's that got the first six weights. He's only got one guy listed at each weight. So there's no lineup maneuvering there at all. Um, you know, and you've got Ike Rubel at 113, who maybe you'd want to just toss a forfeit to. Uh, that's one possibility, perhaps. Eddie Everett had a pretty darn good season last year for a freshman, winning 25 matches. But uh, Isaiah Smedley's no slouch, and it, they didn't get an opportunity to see what he had because he got the forfeit last week. But uh, an interesting uh, dynamic there if they were to move away from Rubel um, and wrestle Finn Meyer as the freshman listed at 106 against Bryce Rickard, who didn't wrestle last year. That's one possibility for, for a lineup. Move. You know, I know Coach Curry as a coach, and, and he's not going to throw a forfeit at Ike Rubel. He's going to give Ike Rubel a match. He's going to give him the best match he can because that doesn't make his kids any better going away from the best kid in the state. Yeah, and, uh, you know, with um, I'm looking here at the rest of the lineup. Uh, Josh Collier is a wrestler who did not come out for the team last year who's listed at 120, and then you've got Logan Allman and Evan McAfee listed at 132. Another freshman in Dakota Perry at 138. Uh, Tony, I don't know how much you saw last year you were at sectional. Uh, the AC-Belmont rivalry sometimes flares up into something big between the two fan bases. In other years, it's not that big of a deal. Last year, Adam Central, a little bit of a down season. Did you get to see them at all last year outside of the, outside of the sectional? I did not. Okay. Okay, so, uh, you know, the, this is a match. It's going to be a little bit different atmosphere uh, with no fans, obviously. Uh, there's usually a lot of hooting and hollering and yelling between the two sides, and the Belmont fans sit on one side and the Adam Central side uh, sits on the other. But you're only going to have parents there. That doesn't mean that there isn't going to be somebody that's going to be loud there. But uh, as we get up into the, to the upper weights, I think the, the movement perhaps is Alex Curry and where he goes. We were discussing off-air whether he ends up at 152 to wrestle Mason Myers or whether he maybe gets bumped up to 160. Coach Curry's roster that he sent me didn't have anybody listed at 160. He had three guys at 52. We talked about Isaac Free uh, coming off a big win against Sheets last week. There's a possibility. He has a, a, a boatload of freshmen here, six freshmen in a row on my lineup, uh, from Wyatt McAfee, Trevor Curry, uh, Keegan Bloom, all guys who have a lot of experience wrestling. Uh, they could uh, present some some difficulty in a shift up with Curry um, staying down low with uh, Gavin Cox and Zane Botkins, who looked rather inexperienced the first week for Belmont. You know, I don't know what Keegan Bloom uh, has on a wrestle mat because he's just freshman. I tell you what, he had a phenomenal football season. They uh, kind of insured him about three, four games in. They started him at uh, D, uh, D end, and he had a great season. And I tell you what, those kids that fight on defensive end and fight through that big tack on the outside and make their way into the backfield and get some sacks, I mean, those kids are athletic and they're, they're scrapping and they're wrestling the whole time on the, on the D-line. And I think uh, Bloom had a really good freshman football season, and uh, I, I just see him, that making him a better wrestler. And then also later in the week on Saturday, Adam Central will travel to Milan uh, again. Last time I touched to, talked to Coach Curry, he said that tournament was still on. They'll see Batesville. Milan, Lawrenceburg, Rushville, and Union County. Kind of a weird dynamic at that Super Duel. Those are all teams who are in basically the same sectional, and they invite Adam Central. So they all kind of know each other, and Adam Central is kind of the... The odd man out. Yeah, they, they come in and they, and they, they, they um, stir things up a little bit. We also have uh, tomorrow Bluffton at Norwell. Both of those teams kicking off their season and uh, some other good wrestling across the, across the state with... Uh, uh, 
Modern Day and um, let's see, who else do I have on here? Oh, the Cathedral um, tournament is uh, going on that Belmont used to go to, Avon, Avon Warren Central and Cathedral. And, uh, oh, Mount Vernon, who was ranked in the 2A poll, wrestling against Carroll, Westfield, Carmel, and, uh, and Delta. Rex Trevor Gray, auctioneer and realtor indicator, is proud to support local high school wrestling. You know, Rex, my mother and father-in-law decided two months ago they wanted to move from Missouri to here in Decatur. One phone call later, uh, Trevor Gray had uh, four listings for them to tour, and within a week, they were Decatur's newest residents. I think they're still Decatur's newest residents. And the, and the best they could find was my neighbors. And they live next door to the mayor. So <laughs> if you want to sell or you want to buy, you only need to make one call, and that's to Trevor Gray, 223-7503, and ask him about the market and what's available. That's Trevor Gray of Crookerberg Auction and Realty, 223-7503 in Decatur. And Trevor wanted me to let everybody know that uh, Crookerberg Auction and Realty has a big, large truck and equipment auction on Friday, December 5th, starting at 9 a.m. There is so much equipment over there in the old Adams Lumber lot. You go over there on Adams Street, you go by, you look, and it's like there's millions of dollars of equipment over there. And they sell it out, and that thing's empty after the end of it. So that's uh, a great thing. Uh, get over there, and uh, Josh and uh, his team do a great job over there. So with that, I'm going to send it back to studio to Steve Rouse running aboard for us. We'll be back with uh, the uh, final overtime section right after these messages. Hi, it's Jesse from Heller Nursery, and the Christmas season is here. We have fresh-cut Christmas trees and greens for decorating. I make wreaths and grave blankets daily. Come to Heller's for your holiday decorations. Poinsettias are a great gift for the ones staying home this season, and we have several new varieties to choose from. Open seven days a week, Heller Nursery is located on 400 West, in between 124 and 224, just west of Decatur. Follow the signs. See updates about Christmas on our Facebook page at Heller Nursery. You don't always need an attorney, but when you do, the man to call is Brad Weber. Brad has extensive experience in most legal matters and will help you make your problems disappear. Keep this number handy, 452-7045. That's 452-7045. You just never know when you'll need the services of an experienced litigator like Brad Weber. The trained and knowledgeable medical staff at Adams Memorial Hospital are dedicated to personalized care. Dr. Robert Kinney specializes in interventional spine and sports medicine procedures and regenerative medicine. Dr. Scott Colclasier specializes in anesthesiology and pain management procedures. The trained staff serves your medical needs by providing individual care in a safe environment along with education for you and your family throughout your visit. Welcome back to Hager after Hershey's Elf High School Wrestling Weekly hosted by Double Eagle here at Cross Creek live from the Double Eagle Clubhouse Grill where the food is always good and the drinks are always cold. Rex Burlong, Dane Filling and still with us our special guest Mr. Tony Drysdale, ITSWA official and former Bishop Lures wrestler. And, Tony, uh, as we talk about Adam Central competing in a, a six-way tournament, uh, those sort of seem right now sort of taboo. Uh, we haven't seen a whole lot of action across the state. We've seen a lot of those tournaments canceled. Um, have you had any uh, tournaments in your schedule that have been either altered or canceled altogether? Yeah. So, I mean, that's definitely um, one big thing for us officials is we have to remain flexible. Um, because schedules are constantly changing, shipment, you know, they're just canceling, matches are canceling, tournaments are canceling. So um, uh, that's definitely a big thing right now. 
I know that um, Dane and I uh, did the football state championship uh, last weekend, but uh, our broadcast partner, Dave Nathan, does a lot of girls softball and boys baseball. And at the end of the year last year, when they just canceled everything, some of those guys lost some big money. I mean, some of those guys that plan on that, I mean, that's part of their income. I mean, you take five, $6,000 out of their income for if you're working all those terms and stuff, that's a big deal. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, it's definitely a good side hustle. I mean, for, if, if you're looking to become an official, I mean, there's good money in it. It put my kids through Catholic school. Absolutely. No, I mean, <laughs> I have t- brand new twins. I mean, that's a lot of diapers, you know, a lot of formula. So, I mean, it, it definitely uh, is, is a good side hustle uh, if you're looking looking for that sort of thing. It's perfect for a college student. And or, referees are always pushing young kids. It's like, okay, we got enough wrestling coaches in the business. We need more young referees. So if you're coming out of high school, you're coming out of college, and a lot of guys that from Decatur to go to Muncie – um, they can get their uh, – they go to Ball State and they get their officials license and they can referee matches around that Muncie area. That's a nice little side hustle for a college kid. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And and you get hooked up in an association down there, you know, they, they will actually cover cover the cost of your license. Um, so that's definitely a perk of, of joining as well. So, Well, gentlemen, WZBD has a full schedule of sports in the coming week. Tomorrow we've got uh, college basketball between Purdue and Oakland, an odd 3 p.m. kickoff, uh, not kickoff, tip-off. I'm in the wrong sport. 2 p.m. pregame tomorrow, and then on Wednesday we've got Hitzer Sports Weekly at 6 with the Jeff Brom Show at 7.30. Another, AJ's going to laugh over there, another tough loss for the Boilermakers as AJ's Hoosiers continue to, uh, to move up the ladder. I saw today a tweet that said that the Big Ten Championship game is going to be IU's backup quarterback from last year against their third string quarterback from last year because he transferred to Northwestern and I use number one quarterback is out now for a couple of weeks so definitely some interesting Big Ten football going on especially with Ohio State and COVID situation but Thursday's the big match between Belmont and Adam Central I think we'll be on the air right away at 630 so we've got a lot of ads to read we've got a lot of community support this year for high school wrestling and uh, follow it with us the entire time on Friday, then, Purdue plays Valpo with a 6 p.m. pregame and a 7 p.m. tip-off. There's no high school basketball now as that game was canceled. Saturday morning, then, is the first edition of the High School Basketball Coaches Show at 8 a.m. with Matt Conversay. And then Purdue plays Nebraska in football at noon with an 11 a.m. pregame. Sunday, the Colts head to Houston. That uh, kickoff will be at 1 p.m. and then next Monday, Preceding our show is the Matt Painter Show at 6.05. Our show will review the first real weekend of competition along with the AC Belmont match, and we will be joined by um, another SAC wrestling guru in Matt Cochran, the head coach of the Fort Wayne Snyder Panthers. Uh, we will also preview the match between number one Belmont and number 10 New Haven, which will take place the night after on Tuesday, and Adam Central's match at Garrett, which is that Wednesday. That means i got to spend Monday with you, Rex. Tuesday with you, Wednesday with you, Friday, and all day Saturday. Yeah, I looked at that schedule, and I was like, who put this schedule together? I think we're in our own COVID pod, Rex. I think that's how it goes. Hey, just real quick on the uh, Milan Super Duel, uh, a couple of names out there. One of the names is uh, Josh Mobley. Wrestled 152 last year for Batesville. He was a ticket rounder. That's a potential match for Alex Curry to prove um, that he is going to be one of the top three or four wrestlers in the state at his weight class, whether it's 52 or 60 or 45 or whether he en- wherever he ends up going. Uh, Lawrenceport- Lawrenceburg sorry, has three or four semi-state qualifiers on their team. 
They don't have any Parises left on the team. I don't know they do. They do have one. I don't know if he's still wrestling, though. <laughs> I don't think he wrestled last year. Those are some big shoes to fill, boys. Yeah, they are. Um, Rushville, probably one of the weaker teams there, along with uh, Union County. But uh, the match that I'm looking forward to this week, besides Adam Central and Belmont, is the Bluffton and Norwell match. And we'll have Coach Sprunger on the show later on this year. And I have been in contact with Coach Johnson. I think we're finally going to get a Norwell representative onto the show. Uh, he replied to my email last week. So if you're listening, Coach Johnson, give us a buzz and uh, let us know what night you want to be on. We can certainly accommodate two uh, special guests in one show. But uh, you look at this Bluffton lineup, man, they've got 12 or 13 guys back from last year. You've got Landon Birch, who's a two-time state qualifier, already 81-5 and five in his career. Uh, tough draw last year to the kid from uh, Monrovia, I think. Uh, otherwise, I think Landon would have been a uh, state placer. But I look for him to get on the podium this year. Uh, looking at Norwell, a little bit weaker than last year, but I think still a very strong team. The NE8, as Blaine said last week, is, is going to be a real dogfight between some very good teams. We just talked about how good DeKalb was, and Tony was telling us over our sandwiches, Rex, that, it, that, that DeKalb is definitely the real deal. Uh, they beat East Noble last year during sectional. And, uh, you know, you've still got Norwell. New Haven's ranked in the top ten going to Team State. Uh, definitely an interesting NE8 dual season this year. Norwell's lineup pretty heavy. I mean, he's got kids from uh, starting at 113, 120, 126, and 126 on up. He's got four or five kids in each weight class. So, I mean, he's got a, he's got a, a lot of numbers that he has a ability to uh, do some switching around there. Yeah, and we look at some of these names like Eli Johnson, who um, won 25 matches last year. Isaiah Bregi, we talked about how good Isaac Freet was last week. Stoned him. Oh, absolutely. Isaiah Bregi was just all over Isaac several times last year and was not even in the same level. So and he's got some really quality guys. They had a great football season, Norwell did. Tony, I don't know if you follow high school football all that much, but Norwell had a great year. Um, they, I know you mentioned saying that you were, you were a football player at Lures, but uh, you know, as you said, your football coach encouraged you to meet Coach Calver and join the wrestling team. I think they do play off of each other. And uh, as a football team develops and gets better and gets stronger, I think that always helps, especially the upper weights in a high school wrestling program. Absolutely. I, I mean, you speak on the upper weights specifically. I mean, it's, you know, it definitely helps with footwork. I mean, yeah, there, you have other outlets, you know, that help with that sort of thing, you know, other programs. But, I mean, nothing better than wrestling to help with that. You know, I saw a little clip on Twitter the other day. There's a, there's a young man that was a two-time NCAA champion and then was a world champion and uh, never played a lick of football and got drafted by the New York, the New England Patriots and has like three Super Bowl rings now as offensive tackle. And he's just a phenomenal athlete. And uh, it's one of those things that uh, the footwork from wrestling you learn really helps on, on the O and D line. And with that, our show is has completed the first uh, four segments of it. And we'd like to thank all of our sponsors to help bring the wrestling to talk on the radio to you. And I'd like to thank Steve Rouse for running aboard for us, as always. And uh, thank uh, Mr. Drysdale for being our co- our uh, special guest tonight. And uh, Dane, I think that's a wrap for this week. I think uh, join us on the podcast as we keep going uh, after we go off the air here. With that, we'll talk to you next Monday night. So, so do you think, like in the summer wrestling, uh, Ike Rubel could just go down and get on one of those teams and just get some get some matches in? Well, he day? did. He did wrestle in the the tournament a couple months ago with a lot of indie guys. So he, he has he has seen a lot of those guys. And he, I know when you go to a tournament, if you just follow Ike's coattails, 
all of those kids know him and they, and they love him. Yeah, uh, he's one of the most popular people in this sort of age group when you go down to state uh, because he's such a nice kid. And then also um, North Posey wrestles against Modern Day, and Trinity from Louisville is also there. Uh, that is Blake Borman number one at his weight class, and uh, North Posey no, yeah North Posey's Chris Newman is ranked number five in the same weight class. So we're finally getting full action here, AJ, between uh, between all of the teams involved in the state. Let me talk to uh, Mr. Drysdale here for a moment. Take him back to his high school days. And you were in a situation in, in, the, uh, in the room back in the day. There were three of you that weighed within five pounds of each other. Remember those days? Absolutely. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. You had uh, Mark Brueggemann. Yeah, he wrestled 189. And, and he weighed probably 180, yeah, well, maybe? No, he, he came into the season, um, you know, weighing uh, every bit of probably 200, 200 pounds. And then he cut down to 189. Uh, that was a hard cut for him. Uh, but he got down. And then uh, Colin, he was more. Colin Broadmerkel, who he, is a, was a captain, I believe, in the United States Army. He's just yes. retired from the Army after what, 20 years? Yeah. And he's out now. Yep, he just retired uh, from the Army. Um, Actually, he he was working at West Point. I don't know. He may be a captain. Could be a colonel. I'm not sure. What's what's the uh, higher rank? I know know he was up there. I don't know. And uh, and then uh, you, you were in there. Colin was more of a true 89-pounder. He he weighed more at that weight naturally. But he wrestled Um, heavyweight. But he wrestled up to heavyweight because, you know, I was more the 215-pounder. You know, I I was weighing in around 205, 210, and uh, Colin and I would uh, go into wrestle-offs. And and he would at first wrestle off with Mark. Would, couldn't beat Mark in a wrestle-off, so then he'd wrestle off with me. Couldn't beat me in a wrestle-off, so naturally he got pushed up to heavyweight as an 89 And he was a darn good light heavyweight. And he was a sweep single heavyweight. You bet and, he was. And he would just sweep that big leg out from underneath them, and they'd go flopping down. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I'd like to give a shout-out. if I'm not certain or aware if they'd be listening, but the Brueggemann family. Absolutely. Yes, it's um, a great loss for them, and we we a lot of love in our hearts for Mark. Oh yeah, love him like a brother. Yeah, definitely. And you know, one of the things with with COVID changing the dynamic a little bit this season, you talk about three guys at the same weight. Uh, as we move away from the individual tournaments and the big sixteen super duels, and we get down to the single night, single duel, one way in uh, setup. That sort of allows there to be a little bit more of a dynamic with a, with a coach and moving lineups. And when you do have three guys at one weight, you've got, okay, you're going to be the one eating tonight. And, and this is what Coach Guns has to do right now with the lineup that Belmont has. You basically got four 82-pounders, and somehow you've got to be able to be competitive at 82, 95, and 220. And sometimes it's not the easiest thing to do. Um, to manage that because you've got to be on the lookout for, for who you've got and what you wrestle on Tuesday may not exactly be what you need on, on Thursday. What, what, what's that like to eat before you go to a wrestle match? I, I would never know. I, I would eat, my last meal would be like an orange slice on Monday night, and then Thursday you had to cut and make weight. But, uh, I mean, it's, it's a whole different game today. I mean, the, the weight restrictions and the weight loss is a lot better than it used to be uh, health-wise. I mean, 
I asked the old guys that are like me that have been around, they tell you what a terrible thing it was for your body. Uh, it wasn't the right thing to do. And I think the HSAA has really curbed a lot of that and have, have made the sport better. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, they're, they're definitely cracking down on that. And, and any coaches that violate that um, are dealt with directly from the top they will receive that phone call from they get Falcons. a stern talking to they would they would they, they get a phone call that next morning you know and so does that administrator and, that and, and it's up to the coaches to kind of police themselves because if if you're following the rules and you know somebody else is not those are the guys that are going to come back and say look i'm doing what i'm supposed to do this guy's not and they're the first one's going to turn him in yeah absolutely absolutely yeah i mean and, and it's accountability is the big thing right so yeah you definitely have to hold each other accountable so, Tony, as I was preparing for tonight's show, I, I did have one question to ask you. As we go through COVID and at, when we were in maybe June or July, I know Rex and I talked several times and AJ out and I out on the golf course, are we actually going to have a wrestling season? But, and then there was a time where we talked about, man, if we could just have this, I could be satisfied. If we could miss all the regular season but still be able to wrestle a sectional, I'd take it. Or if we could just wrestle at the Al Smith, that would be enough for me. As an official, if you could have one thing from the upcoming season above all other things, what's the thing that you look forward to the most as an official? You know, I, when it comes to being, being hopeful for the season, I, I, I'm definitely um, – I've always been a, a glass-half-full kind of guy. So, like, I'm definitely hopeful that, that the season will play out. I think it all comes down to, uh, you know – making sure everybody is, is staying safe and making sure um, everybody is doing the right thing. If, if people are trying to cut corners and sending in uh, wrestlers that they know are sick or, 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 you know, running a fever and they're still trying to fill that lineup, you know, that's where we're going to have issues. If, if they're not cleaning the mats properly, if they're not, um, you know, there, there's other things that these teams, that teams can be doing. Um, you know, making sure their team, their wrestlers have uh, extra singlets changing to throughout the day. Um, you know, making showers readily available for the wrestlers so that way they can take a shower mid tournament if they need to, uh, just to get a fresh, you know, get 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 cleaned up a little bit. Um, uh, and officials, from an official standpoint, we have to do our part as well, um, making sure we're you know constantly hand sanitizing, making sure we're wearing our masks when we're off that mat. Um, uh, that's definitely a requirement. So, I mean, as far as, you know, what I'm looking forward to, you know, I, I, I would just like to make it to the, make it to the tournament. You know, I mean, I think, uh, there's really no other sport other than wrestling. That's as contact as, as, as wrestling is as but, intimate as some people would say. Yeah. Yeah. As, as people would say, but you know, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, if we can do, I'll do our part. You know, one can only hope, and you know that we can get through this. And so. I think it, it is interesting to look at from a perspective that I think sectional is going to be the peak where everybody's going to fight to get their full team to that Saturday at sectional. But then from there, if you think about it, sixty percent of the wrestlers in the state are eliminated at sectional. When you think most most sectionals have ten teams. And you only take four. Right. So you've eliminated 60%. And I think this is going to be the year. You know, we always talk about at Belmont or Adams Central, when a guy loses, they keep coming back to practice with their teammates. And they keep showing. And if one guy makes it to state, he's still got, you know, 11 or 12 brothers who are still there with him at practice. I don't think that's going to be the case this year. I think you're going to get – if your season's over, (laughs) 
you step aside, you remove yourself from the, yeah. the inner team bubble. And I know that Coach Myers has talked about this a little bit at Belmont. He's encouraging all of the boys on the team to stick with each other, to eat lunch with each other, to spend the time before class with each other. Okay, if we're already going to be exposed to each other at practice, you, you also need to expose your. You know, don't pick up and you know, don't spend time with another set of friends on Friday night and have a Saturday night set of friends. Spend time with your teammates on Friday night and on Saturday, Isolate or stay home as a group and, yeah. and and make your bubble a little bit smaller. And I think once we get to regional and semi-state, it's going to be the opposite. Then it's going to be okay. We need to keep as many people out of this room as possible going forward so that so that we eliminate the the risk you go from being an asset to a hazard yes as soon as your season's done then you know i think a lot of guys will will simply simply step away because they don't want to be the guy and we've already seen this in a couple sports where somebody unknowingly you know they did nothing wrong but they were the ones who exposed themselves to the virus and then they 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 passed it on to somebody else on the team and that team had to had to forfeit we saw it in the football sectionals a couple times you know, it was not a kid doing anything wrong, but in the end, it was them who lost the, the season for the kids. And you don't want to be that person. It's just circumstances are out of your control. I mean, you can walk up to your to your cousin or somebody that you see all the time, and you can pick it up from them. And it's like, it's like you think that you're okay, but uh, what we found out is you're not. But the thing is that the kids that get infected by it are not going to be seriously hurt. It's taking it to your grandma who could pass away from it. I mean, the, the the danger level is not there for the kids. They're not going to get sick. And I mean, okay, they get a cold for a couple of days, and then they're over it. Yeah, and it's going to be the fact that the, the opportunities that they miss because of it that's really going to hurt. And, you know, I kind of laugh, but, you know, Ike Rubel, you saw him last year maybe after he lost the Al Smith finals or maybe his freshman year when he lost at semi-state. He was not a happy camper. He was not a good person to be around because he was so angry that, that he hadn't reached what he thought was his goal. Last year after the state finals, he was upset. Ike has never been madder than when he got quarantined a couple weeks ago because <laughs> somebody he sat next to at school got him quarantined. So, you know, it, it, you fast forward that to February. What happens when you've got a kid who's ready to go to state and make, a, make an impact? And they get quarantined or contact trace. You know, that's those are the situations that you have to avoid. And from a coach's perspective or from a referee's perspective, you don't want to have to go back and call an athletic director and say, hey, I refereed your match two nights ago. I've got symptoms. I'm going to get, you know, I'm going to get tested. You don't want to be that person. You've got to, you've got to as an official, also limit your contact with other people. Because you don't want to be the, the person who puts other people's seasons in jeopardy. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, and even off the mat, I mean, we got families at home ourselves. So, I mean, I don't want to take anything home to my kids and newborns as well. You know, so it's one of those things where, you know, I got to do everything on, on the mat that I can do to protect myself from anything that I can be exposed to on the mat as well. So the, the key is, if you're going to have it, you're going to have it 10 days before the season. Well, and then heard, you're done and it's over. I heard a couple people joke about the fact that they're hoping that their guys get it in December, get over it, because right now the CDC is kind of throwing out a three-month uh, time when if you were positive, you, they don't think that you can contract the disease or you have a very low chance of contracting the disease again. And then we're, you can't be contact traced. So. When, when I was a kid, 
when my parents found out somebody's kid had a chicken pox, the, guess where we went? Big party. We went to their house, and everybody got exposed to chicken pox, and you had them, you're done, because you couldn't get them over again. I don't know if that's a that's a strate- uh, strategic move for COVID or not. Uh, I don't think that would be that would be well advised at this point. But uh, Tony, we really thank you for coming on the show tonight, and uh, your insights as to officiating and and what it means and what you enjoy about it along with the challenges that, that COVID has uh, offered us. And I hope that you uh, had fun tonight. Yeah, I had a lot of fun. Thanks for having me. Well, Dana, officially we've had our first uh, guest that is an IHSAA official and uh, went kind of well. We had a whole different perspective of it. And uh, I'd like to thank everybody for sticking around for the extra podcast, ex- podcast extension and uh, that being Steve Rouse running a board for us as well. So with that, uh, look for this podcast to be up uh, later on this week, and uh, we'll talk to you next Monday.